When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. About 48 hours from now, when we have our first big football broadcast of the season right here on 98.7, Jets, Brownies, Kenton, Ohio, Hall of Fame game. Greg and myself will get it going at 7. Bob and Marty have the call, of course. But you know what? There'll be time for that because this is a baseball day. Because about an hour ago, a little over an hour ago, what, 63 minutes now, The 2023 trade deadline came and went in Major League Baseball. And we spent a lot of time speculating last night as to what these teams were going to do and how they were going to go about handling the deadline and whether or not they were going to be active or not. And we expected the Mets to be way more active than the Yankees, but not for the reasons that any fan would want them to be active. It's because the Mets were in sell mode. And you really couldn't argue with it because the Mets had shown you over the course of 100-plus games that they did not demonstrate the characteristics in any way, shape, or form of a team that looked the part of a postseason contender, right? We made our peace with that. We kind of knew that that is exactly what would be happening, right? The baseball playoffs would get underway in October. The Mets were not going to be part of it. Yankees, on the other hand, you know, they still have a pulse. Technically, they're still in this thing, right? I mean, they have a winning record. When you watch them, though, they put you to sleep with their uninspired play, but they're only three and a half games out of a wild card spot. Like, it's not the end of the world. There have been teams that have come from way further back than three and a half games with two months to play in the season to make the playoffs, right? But they just don't give you any sort of hope that things are going to turn around for them. And as we talked about yesterday and even the days leading up to the deadline, Why even bother going all in if you're the Yankees? Like, do you really think, and even a minor type of move, do you really think it's going to sway the balance of power with this team in any way? Do you really think that it's going to kickstart the Yankees to some deep October run? And I think the answer universally is no. And the the latest stinker that they gave you last night against the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, a lot of times they look like the walking dead out there. They really do. Yankee Stadium is lifeless. Lifeless. I don't care how many people are there. I don't know why they go. Right, I guess maybe they bought the tickets already and they want to get use for them, get some bang for their buck, but they don't make noise. They're not into the game. You watch that game last night, you, you, you just yawn. It's like you're watching it in a library, maybe because they expect the other shoe to drop, maybe because they know that the Yankees aren't in the same class as Tampa Bay. And they're sick and tired of watching the Yankees strike out 30 times over the course of a two-game span. And a guy who was supposed to be the starting pitcher wasn't good enough to start a game, but he was good enough to enter in the fifth inning, and then he looked like the best pitcher in the universe from that point on, and really still no legit explanation as to why he couldn't start the game, or at least the one that the Yankees tried to give you last night made absolutely no sense, right? And we talked about it last night. I think that we could just move on from that. So while the Yankees still have a pulse and they have a chance, they'll give it the old college try tonight with Carlos Rodon. Fifth start for him in a Yankee uniform. Better late than never, right? Against Zach Eflin of the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll see if the Yanks can get back in it. And look, see where they take this thing. It'd also be nice if they could actually make some contact, score some runs offensively as well. And then on the other hand, you got the Mets. And if you listen to me, you know that I was all for a potential sell-off. 
all for it. All right, this team was not going to be playing postseason baseball. This team was, if anything, inconsistent all year. You didn't have any faith that they would be able to put together a long stretch of good, solid play. And I know about the record payroll. I know about the age on the roster, certainly at some critical spots. And it became a point where if you were the Mets and you were the organization, the front office, you couldn't sit there and wait for the back of the baseball card to kind of take shape. You couldn't wait for Justin Verlander to turn into that three-time Cy Young Award winner, even last year. You couldn't wait for Max Scherzer, who's a three-time Cy Young Award winner, you know, those guys to look like their dominant former selves. Some of those other guys offensively who had scuffled all season long. You know, Jeff McNeil, a batting champion last year, furthest thing from a batting champion this year. That bullpen, which unfortunately was asked to do way too much this year in the absence of Edwin Diaz and They kind of ran out of gas a little bit. Pete Alonso was scuffling there for pretty much the better part of two months. Not exactly being that middle-of-the-order threat that you expect him to be. Starling Marte, an all-star last year. I know he's on the shelf now, but production-wise, not even close to what he gave you in 2022. All those things adding up to a team that probably was, if not the biggest, one of the biggest disappointments in all of Major League Baseball this year. So what do you do? You sell, you move on. Robertson gone. Scherzer gone. And the question when we woke up this morning was, what about Justin Verlander between now and 6 o'clock? Well, we got our answer this afternoon. And it was a good move by the Mets. And it's once again the owner using his financial clout to sit there and flex his muscles and to maybe pay down some of that contract so the Mets could get more in return. And by sending Verlander to the Houston Astros, they get themselves a couple of prospects, a couple of outfield prospects, by the way. And, yes, I know they're young. In Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford, one guy was the Astros' best prospect. The other guy was rated their fourth prospect. And Clifford, the fourth-rated prospect, might even have a higher ceiling than Gilbert, so the scouts say. But you got to see how this thing plays itself out, right? It's a crapshoot. It's no different than the draft. You never know what you're going to get here. But in the span of a week, Mets have gotten rid of some aging players, guys that didn't factor to be part of the solution. And I think that that's the key part about this, right? The solution. When you add everything up and when the Mets are realistically ready to contend again, Justin Verlander going to be a part of it. Max Scherzer going to be a part of it. Mark Canna going to be a part of it. David Robertson. The answer is no. Tommy Pham went later in the afternoon to Arizona. And maybe the biggest shocker of all, the Mets actually sent Dominic Leone out west to the Angels and actually got a, a living, breathing human being for him. So whatever shots you want to take at Billy Epler, and he hasn't done a good job with all that stuff, think about that. He actually got a living, breathing mammal in return for Dominic Leone. How about that? Dominic Leone was a guy that the Mets picked up off the scrap heap this year at a shared desperation because they needed help in the bullpen, and they actually turned him into another player. That's genius. I never thought in a million years that we'd be talking about something like that. So nevertheless, here we are right now. Reality is now sunk in for the Mets. Now the attention is for, is focused on 2024 and maybe even 2025. And if you believe Max Scherzer and you believe Ken Rosenthal, hell, maybe even 2026, which we'll get into in just a little bit. How long is it going to take to rebuild? When will this turn around? But you know what? There were some people out there, and I want to hear from you at 800-919-3776. There were some of you out there, I know this, that didn't even want to move Verlander, that you wanted to keep him around for 2024 because, look, 
I get it. It's a business. You got to sell tickets. You want people in those seats at City Field next year. You want eyes on SNY when the games are on television. I understand all that stuff. And at least if you have Verlander and Senga at the top of your rotation next season, well, you know what? You got at least two pretty good to above average pitchers. And then you work from there. All right, fine. I disagree. If you're selling, you might as well go all in. And maybe expedite this process a little bit. Instead of putting the Band-Aid over a massive head wound, you got to be in a position to where you're going to treat this thing the right way. Mets had to get younger. I'm not even sitting here telling you they had to get cheaper. Because money is no object to this owner. But they had to get younger. They had to get more athletic. You look at some of these other teams in Major League Baseball, some of the top teams in baseball, they're a hell of a lot more younger and athletic than the Mets are. And we wondered about this earlier in the season. When the Mets got out of the gates really slow. And I had thrown out the idea that maybe, just maybe, last year when they won 101 games, that was the fluke. Right? Not that this disappointing 2023 was going to be flukish of nature. No, maybe last season's really, really good year was the one that was out of the ordinary. Because say what you want. I don't know what kind of Met fan you are or anything. But going into last year, did you really, truly, and deeply think that the Mets were a 100-win team? I thought they'd be good, right? DeGrom, Scherzer, if you get some good health, you thought they'd be a good team that they got a shot, but I didn't think that they'd win over 100 games. Think of how many great teams you had in Mets history. How many of them actually won over 100 games? Not many. Not many at all. And on paper, that team last year wasn't a juggernaut, at least not to me. And DeGrom missed more than half of the season. Aside from Scherzer, what were their big, like, position player acquisitions? Starling Marte, Mark Hanna, Eduardo Escobar, were those guys, you know, climbing aboard, you're thinking 100 wins? No. But they could be okay. And then this year, everything bottomed out. And you realize, well, now we got to address this. And the owner stepped up. The owner stepped up after a calculated swing and miss. Over the last couple of years, especially this season, with the richest payroll in the history of baseball, and they're not going to make the playoffs, they may or may not finish with a losing record. That remains to be seen. But they wanted to cut their losses, and I think that it was the right move. So Justin Verlander, who had all of next year and then a vesting option for 2025, still to go on the contract, Mets are going to pay $54 million of what's left over. To the Houston Astros. Houston, meantime, is going to pay $29 million. So think about that. If you're the Astros, the defending world champions, who has eyes now on getting back to the World Series and winning the damn thing again, they say to themselves, that's good business. We're paying $29 million for two-plus years of Justin Verlander, potentially. And they balked at his contract demands during the offseason. Verlander had control of his future. Remember, he had a no-trade clause. He and Jim Crane are very, very close, the owner of the Houston Astros. So it's really not all that much of a surprise that he ends up back in Houston. Guys owed $93 million still. $93 million. And because Steve Cohen is going to kick in more than half of it, Mets were able to get back potentially two really good prospects here. Outfield prospects. So now the question becomes, realistically, when are the Mets actually going to be good again? When are they going to contend? And do you think this is the right move to make? 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll talk to John Harper. 
longtime columnist, SNY, a little bit later on in the program after the dust settles and we try to make sense of what went on today between the Mets and the Yankees. Get John's thoughts a little bit later on. Plenty of your phone calls, plus all the football as well. Aaron Rodgers spoke today. Nathaniel Hackett spoke today. In regards to the comments made by Sean Payton, the new Broncos coach, of course, he didn't have flattering things to say about his predecessor. So we'll hear what Coach Hackett had to say. A lot of things on the agenda. We're going to do that till 10 o'clock tonight. Dan Gross' show, live and in living color, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So the Mets have turned an eye towards next year. The Yankees, Yankees are kind of like running in place for the remainder of this season. You know, like when you get on the treadmill, you're running in place, essentially. That's what the Yankees are doing. You know, they picked up a couple of relievers, Keenan Middleton, Spencer Howard, you know, seeing if they could tap into either one of those. Middleton's a journeyman, nothing more, nothing less. He's, you know, the reliever that ends up on a new team each and every year. That's exactly what it is. And the Yankees are just trying to bring in another bullpen arm because they're gassed. You know, so I can I can appreciate the approach because they've asked way too much from that bullpen over the course of this season, which has kind of contributed to where they are right now. So nothing wrong with bringing in a live body here. We'll see if they can get anything at it. But, again, if you're a Yankee fan – what did you want to have happen? What did you want Brian Cashman to do? They tried to make all the big moves during the offseason. And now they let it play itself out over 100 games, and you see the result. They're just blah. That's what the Yankees are. Blah. Nothing more, nothing less. I said it on the show last night. Harvey, I wish we could just go back and replay the tape. Like, I, I shouldn't even have to say it anymore. But just replay what I said last night. When you look at the Yankees, and if you're going to be critical of the Yankees right now, and think that, you know, they don't take chances, they don't spend money, they don't... Th- you know what? Here's the bottom line. The Yankees got the second-highest payroll in the sport this year. And I ran through the seven highest-earning Yankees this year. Judge, Cole, Stanton, Rodon, Rizzo, LeMahieu, Severino. Seven guys right there. Outside of Judge and Cole, who actually has held up their end of the paycheck so far for the Yankees? Out of those names that I just listed. Nobody. Not a one of them. So really, it's not rocket science. Like, we're sitting here and trying to break this down and try to figure out how how the Yankees are in the shape that they're in and all these other things. Well, when five of the seven highest paid players on the team are giving you nothing in terms of a return, should you be shocked that you're sitting there in last place? Really? 
Like I said, it's really not that difficult, guys. It isn't. But we'll get into the Yankee stuff a little bit later on. You know what? Unfortunately, they're not the big story here tonight. The main story is the Mets. Because I don't know how history is going to remember the 2023 Mets. And again, the final chapter hasn't been written officially. Like, Lord knows what could still take place over the final two months. But it's not going to include the playoffs. And it's not going to include the postseason. Not this year. And if I would have told you back in March that on August the 1st, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander wouldn't even be Mets, you would have thought I was crazy. You would have thought I was nuts. Like, not only did this fail, it failed spectacularly. Like, it's one thing if you made a pursuit to the playoffs and maybe, you know, you had a winning record and you just fell short, like, in the final week. Like, what would happen to, like, you know, the 07 Mets? Well, the 07 Mets collapsed, but the 08 Mets, for example. That last game at Shea Stadium where, you know, they needed some things to go their way. It didn't work out. They lost the finale there, but they just missed the playoffs. But they were a decent team. They weren't bad. Like, if that happened to this year's Mets, and then you address things in the offseason and you said, well, you know, we got to break it up a little bit. Maybe now we, using their word, repurpose a little bit. You probably wouldn't think that it was that crazy because they spent a lot of money and they got nothing in return. But to think that on August 1st, they would break this thing down with already an eye towards 2025 at the earliest. Now, I know a lot has been made, by the way, about the Max Scherzer comments to Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, right? And for those that didn't hear those, What Max Scherzer said to Ken was this. This was after the trade to the Texas Rangers. I talked to Billy. I was like, okay, are we reloading for 2024? He goes, no, we're not. Basically, our vision now is for 2025 slash 2026. 25 at the earliest, more like 26. We're going to be making trades around that. I was like, so the team is not going to be pursuing free agents this offseason? Or assemble a team that can compete for a World Series next year? He said, no. We're not going to be signing the upper echelon guys. We're going to be on the smaller deals within free agency. 24 is now looking to be more of a kind of transitory year. Max Scherzer then willingly waived his no-trade clause to facilitate a trade to the Texas Rangers to help the Mets out. Because Max Scherzer wants to be part of a winner at this point in his career. Max Scherzer doesn't need any more money. Justin Verlander doesn't need any more money. They want to be a part of a winner. And when the Scherzer thing went down, when the David Robertson thing went down, I mean, you saw Verlander's tone after his last game on Sunday. You basically knew he was already going to be out the door because the look on his face said everything. He basically said, I don't want to stick around and be a part of a losing situation next year. I'm not going to rebuild. I'm not going to repurpose. I came here to win a championship. And it didn't work out. But you know what? There's each and every guy in that locker room basically had a hand in facilitating this sell-off by the New York Mets. Because if they would have played better, then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. But that is the reality. So how are we going to look back and remember this team? You know, is it going to be the biggest disaster in the history of New York sports, in the history of the Mets, in the history of New York baseball? Like, what is it going to be? Right? Largest payroll, richest payroll in the history of the sport. And they are not going to make the playoffs. And they may not even finish with a winning record. And if that's the case, you know what? Let your mind wander. I know about the worst team money could buy 30 years ago. I get all that stuff. But what makes this team unique is that you're talking about a club that is on the heels of one that won 101 games last year. 
was one of the preseason favorites at the beginning of the season. It's not like it was completely unfounded. So how did we get to this point? Well, we talked about that earlier. But what can be done to fix it? And last week, remember, we threw out the possibility of this happening. The Mets being in sell mode. And if they were going to sell, do you have faith in the people in charge to be able to facilitate that? Like this front office, this general manager, who swung and missed splendidly at the trade deadline last year when they were trying to add players. Well, you know what? We don't know how prospects are going to turn out. We have zero idea. But what the Mets did do over the course of a week, they sold off some guys who aren't going to be part of the solution when this thing does turn around. And they stocked up their farm system a little bit, a a farm system which was not overly impressive, one that was not considered to be one of the elite in Major League Baseball. And now you have some guys that you can monitor down on the farm and say, all right, these are potentially guys that are going to be either part of the future or maybe some chips down the road when the Mets go identify a target from another organization that they want to bring in to help them win that you didn't have in the cupboard before. And that's what the owner's money can get you. And maybe one of these other guys who you're not really hearing a lot about and you don't think is going to be somebody that can necessarily produce or pay big dividends for the Mets, maybe he surprises you. Right? Maybe. You never know. But in the meantime, we play the waiting game. And wonder just how long this is going to take. Do I believe Max Scherzer and do I believe what, what, what Scherzer was told by the front office about how long this thing is going to take to turn around? Not necessarily. I'm not going to go all in on that and say that 2026 is when the Mets are going to be good again and the next two years they're going to be garbage. I'm not going to say that because you know why? Because I watch baseball. I follow the sport. I know the league. Do I need to remind you about, like, what's happening now? Like, have, have you looked around Major League Baseball in 2023 and seen what is happening? All right, because let's talk about payroll, because in, in, in Max's words, if you want to go by that, that the Mets are not going to be big players for free agents next year, right? They're not going to have a 300, 400 plus million dollar payroll like they did in 2023. Fine. Well, look around the sport now, guys. Because out of the bottom 10 teams in payroll, Arizona, Miami, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, Baltimore. That's six right there. Six of the 10 lowest spending teams in baseball on August the 1st are in the postseason race right now. Six out of 10. So tell me, do you need to have a crazy high payroll to win and to be successful? Do you? Or if you have guys in your farm system and maybe some young players that get an opportunity to play, maybe they surprise and bring us some energy and infuse just a little bit of excitement into an organization that maybe started to get a little stale, like we talked about with the Yankees and what you see with them. But just because you're not going to be spending crazy money doesn't mean you're necessarily punting on the season. And that's one thing that I want to drive home here. Now, look, maybe the Mets are going to be terrible next year. Who the hell knows? I don't think they're going to be 100 loss bad, you know? But am I going to sit here and say that there's no shot that they're any good again until 2025? Of course not. 
Because I just gave you examples. And things can turn around a heck of a lot faster than maybe we expect them to. But these moves that happened over the last week, those were musts if you're the New York Mets. Absolute must. Want to hear from you next, 800-919-3776. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Let's go to the phones here. Let's say hi to Danny in Jersey. He'll be first up here on 98.7 ESPN. Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Shout out to the company. Dan, what's going on? Me- it was a pleasure to meet you Saturday. Dan, the pleasure was all mine. What can I say? I broke the uh, Scherzer trade to you while you were in the dugout. Yeah, I, I you, like you broke my concentration. You know, I'm focused on the game, and you're sitting there trying to, uh, you know, get in my head with all this nonsense with the trades and stuff. Come on, Dan. You got to be better than that. <laughs> but uh, with the mess, I'm actually – they had a maybe one of the better deadlines of any team, and it makes it brings me to my point. I think Billy Epler in this constituted moment is a better general manager – for their current team than Brian Cashman. Wow. In the past year. That is a hot take. Because that is a that is a hot take. I like that. Dan from Jersey gets the hot take of the night so far. Yeah. I like it. Now now give me some context behind that, Dan. Go ahead. Tell tell me why you think that. Because Epler saw the writing on the wall and sold. I mean, he knew the Mets were gonna make the playoffs and he got great prospects back. The two guys from Houston are gonna be really good. The guy that they got from Texas is going to be good. They got a top not a top ten prospect for Dominic Leone. Dominic Leone. Well, do you say top ten? You mean a team's top ten prospect, yeah. not like a top ten in all of baseball, right? Which and no. remember, all farm systems are not created equal. So some teams' ninth yeah. best prospect might be, you know, worse than some teams' you know fiftieth best prospect. You just never know. But still, to get an organization's top ten prospect for Dominic Leone is a height. No, I'm with you. I, I mean, and I said that a little bit earlier. And, and Dan, look, I, and thanks for the phone call. I, I, I it's uh, the irony there is that I'm sure a lot of people know Billy Epler worked alongside Brian Cashman for a while, right? Before Billy Epler got the job out with the Angels to become the general manager, he was right alongside Brian Cashman with the New York Yankees, working under Cash. I, I it's imp- I think the situations are unique when you're talking about. Who's doing a better job? Who's better for their team and all those type of things? Look, I don't care if Brian Cashman was running the Mets right now or anybody. When you look at the reality that this club is facing, I think it's pretty apparent that they had to sell, right? It wasn't going to fire for them this year. They tried. They gave this thing all the way up until about a week before the deadline, which inventory-wise, it was close to 100 games. I think that that is more than enough sample size to say it ain't going to fire for us this year. It just isn't. And so they had to sell off. Now, with Cashman, what he's doing with the Yankees, look, I have no problem with how he handled the deadline. If you're a Yankee fan, tell me right now what you wanted the Yankees to do. I thought that we had this conversation last night. 
I thought we were done with it. Because it's pretty evident that no matter what the Yankees were going to do here, even bring it, Yankees weren't going to make a blockbuster. Okay? They weren't going to do that. But what little move could the Yankees have made or who could they have acquired that would have satisfied Yankee fans and really and truly think would have made a difference on this year's team? Tell me. If Tommy Pham would have went to the Yankees instead of Arizona, that would have been a big difference. Tommy Pham would have been the big spark plug for this offense. What about the other guys that strike out, you know, 18 times a game? What about them? They're all going to sit? I don't think so. This is who the Yankees are. The guys that they're paying to perform just have to perform better. It's as simple as that. You know, and if you want to talk about, like, a warped reality right now and how the perception is altered just based upon where teams and organizations maybe historically kind of just fit in. Like, when you look at the Yankees, I always say, like, they don't pass the eye test to me. You know, you look at them, yeah, I know that they got a winning record, but do the Yankees really look like a playoff caliber team to you? Not to me. And we've all watched them play more than 100 games this year. Certainly when you watch the Mets this season, you know that they don't look like a playoff team. So they sold. But the Yankees only have five more wins than the Mets do. Five. So why should you think that the Yankees are really all that different a club than the Mets? Strip the records away. Do they pass the eye test to you? And then if you really want to stack the Yankees up with some of the other teams in the American League that they're going to have to go toe-to-toe with, they sure as hell don't stack up. James is in Spring Valley. He's next here on 98.7. James, how are you? Good evening, Dan. Good big evening, Harvey. How are you guys doing? James, all is well. What's going on? What's going on, man? Big shout-out to the company. Now, Dan, I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm sure I've called many times talking about the Yankees. And my com- and I just want to make a comment about the Yankees' tread deadlines. Is I expected nothing. I made a tweet saying that Yankees aren't going to do much. Cashman's going to probably give a state of the dress and saying that there weren't moves to be made, and I believe in this team, and this team is still have a chance to make the playoffs, and yada, yada, yada. The biggest problem I have with the Yankees, and I'll make it quick because I don't want to take up your time, is they're landlocking these contracts. You know, DJ, um, Stanton, and Rizzo. They can't make any moves. They basically, like, they can't, so they have nothing to sell, nothing really much to buy, and the Yankees are kind of stuck. They're stuck. Like, I commend the Mets for what they did. They realized it was a sinking ship, and they realized, yo, let's get what we can and, you know, and restock our farm system. With the Yankees, it's like they're stuck. They are stuck. They're in, they're in place. And it's frustrating because this team is not close to winning the World Series. And the Mets are. This team is not even good enough to be winning in New York. This team is, is – is, they're mid. They are a mid team. The, the once proud Yankees, they're, they're, they're middling. And it's frustrating. And as a Yankee fan, I feel like this is going nowhere fast. And it's very frustrating. And I, I, I just don't know – how to feel about next year because we're going to talk about the Yankees being mid next year. So there's really no hope for this organization. So like, that's James, all I got to say, Dan. James, thanks for the call. And, and look, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because if you look at all the money that are tied up to these guys, where's Judge going? Nowhere. Where is Cole going? Nowhere. You would love to be able to toss Stanton off to somebody else, but where's, it, where, where's he going? Who's taking that kind of money? 
32 million next year, 32 million in 25, 29 million in 26, and 25 million in 2027. That's four more years after this. And the guy's 33 years old, and when you see him up there running the bases, Giancarlo Stanton looks like he's 93 years old. And he's hitting under 200. Where are you parsing off just uh, Giancarlo Stanton to? And for who, for that matter? And for what? Carlos Rodon, where's he going? Nowhere. Anthony Rizzo, where's he going? Geez, he's got another year after this. You want to send an expiring contract off to somebody else? Maybe it's more attractive to them? Well, good luck. DJ LeMahieu, how about him? He's got three more years after this. He's another player who looks absolutely shot at this point. You're not going to find some guy like a Steve Cohen who's just going to be able to absorb and take on all that dead money and bad money. And and I'll tell you what, we know the Yankees, because if I can use an an exhausted phrase, which I know a lot of Yankee fans like to throw out there, but if George were still around, if George was still running the team, maybe he'd be a guy that would pay down some of these contracts just to get him the hell off the books and away from the Bronx. But that's not going to happen with this group. You're stuck with them. So where's the flexibility? Unless the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner are in a position to where they're going to jump up the payroll to, you know, exceed the luxury taxes and pay close to $400 million like Steve Cohen did this year, how are the Yankees dramatically going to improve this team? The answers aren't going to be in free agency. The answers, for the most part, are still going to be in that damn locker room. Those guys got to play better. 800-919-3776. We'll hear from some of the principals, plus more of your phone calls when we return Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let us say hi to Jose in Brooklyn. He is up next here on 98.7. Jose, good evening, sir. How the hell are you? Good evening, Mr. Grasso. I'm uh, doing all right. I'm coming to the acceptance part of this season. I'm, I'm I'm tired of being shocked or acting like I'm shocked when this team is just, you know, pathetic and horrible. And, yeah, just, you know, at that point. And, you know, when you said, you know, you felt like you were having this conversation, you felt like you were repeating the same conversation from yesterday. Well, this is what happens when you have two bad baseball teams in New York, right? Yep. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, that's the reality. Now, look, I think that the Yankees, they'll find a way to tread water you know, like they're going to they'll go into September still with a pulse. Ultimately, I don't think they get there. But I mean, we're going to still have the Yankees on our minds and, and it's going to be part of the conversation once that final month rolls around. I, I just don't think that they're going to have enough to ultimately get in the playoffs. Well, same here, and I just that, that that's why I kind of wanted them to be sellers because, like, um, they've let they've let pe- they've let other teams pass them. The you know we we do have we did have labor to sell off. We did you know everyone talked so highly about our bullpen. You know they could have been used to get some type of pieces for the future. It just it. It is what it is. I know that they're not gonna do do what's needed to be done, and you know what? Hey. The only thing I like, sadly, as a as a Yankee fan, I'm like, I, I guess they're gonna have to miss the playoffs to actually, you know, see, you know, how much money they money they don't make from not making it. So we'll see how this year turns out. But um, 
Thank God football is coming soon, right, man? Jose, I mean, that, that, thank goodness. And, and both of these teams better be good because, I, like I said, I don't think the baseball conversation is going to carry us deep into the fall. But thank you for the phone call. Look, you know, the thing about the money, and maybe fans are leery of this, maybe they're not. But Jose kind of alluded to something there about the Yankees, like the money that they're going to lose from not making the playoffs. I, they don't look at it that way. You know, the Yankees can't. This is the Yankees. The Yankees print money. They're the New York Yankees, the most valuable sports franchise in, in, in North America, practically, right? So even if the Yankees miss out on the playoffs this year, you know as well as I do, fans are still going to come back next spring. They're going to be eager. They're going to be excited. They're going to buy their tickets. They're all going to flock to Yankee Stadium on opening day, and, you know, they're going to buy their jerseys, and they're going to buy their merchandise and all those things, and it's going to be a clean slate. Because that's just how things are. Hope springs eternal. And if you're a Yankee fan, let's face it, you at least have a little bit more equity and money in the bank in terms of, well, we're competitive every year. And that's not good enough to some fans. They want to see results. They want to actually see this thing kind of play itself out. But they are competitive. You're not going to see years where the Yankees are 10, 15 games under 500 and one of the worst in Major League Baseball because that's not how they operate. And you got a few guys on this team that, despite the fact they make a lot of money and maybe you haven't got the returns from them this year, those guys still relatively produce. You know, Judge is on this team in his prime. Cole is on this team in his prime. You're not going to be a horrible team with those guys. But do I think that this is a championship team on the horizon? No, I do not. Now, the Glaber thing, I look... He might have been the most marketable guy the Yankees had to trade off, but you're not just going to give him away, especially in that circumstance, right? He's a controllable player still next year. Arbitration eligible, he's a super two, so you could trade Glaber in the offseason. I guarantee you, if I'm the Yankees or if I'm a Yankee fan right now and I'm looking ahead to maybe what could or couldn't happen come the winter, Glaber getting traded is probably one of those things. You want to shake things up a little bit? Right? Send the message, whatever it is. Sometimes make a change for the sake of making a change. Glaber would be the guy you identify. But you could still make that move in the offseason. It didn't have to happen by August 1st. Hell, you might even get a better return if you wait until the offseason. You know, Glaber Torres getting traded to another team for whatever you would get back was not going to enhance the Yankees' chances of making the playoffs this year. Other moves haven't worked out. And then just, you know, the thing that would probably have to frustrate you more than anything else if you're a Yankee fan, aside from the play itself and the performance, but just some of the rhetoric that's coming out of the organization. Like that stuff last night, like we were playing it and the explanation about Domingo Herman and why he didn't start and why he could come in in relief and they were taking it like through the timeline and the step-by-step process, it made no sense whatsoever. And you're saying to yourself, this is... This is major leagues? This is the major leagues? Really? I, 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 I mean, this is like, I, I, I don't know. It really is perplexing how it got to this point. See, the Mets, on the other hand, you look at them and the way they've gone about their business, they're not used to the same level of success the Yankees have. They're just not. You know, Mets make the playoffs, what, once every few years, if they're lucky? Try to make the most of it, and then it's back to reality again. 
And they hope that right now with the moves that they've made over the last couple of days that this is going to set them up for long-term sustainable success. But the question I have about the Mets, and I'll wait till we start the next hour to throw it out there, but there is still one big one that makes me just a little bit curious as to how far the Mets really want to take this thing once they head into the offseason. Here's a little Met reaction, though, from the events of the day and really the last week. Let's hear right now from Billy Epler. He is the general manager. He met the media a little while ago on a conference call. Here was Billy on the overall trade deadline for the New York Mets. You want to make the best of that situation. So for us, that was uh, seeing what opportunities exist and seeing if we could get impact talent. And I'm really excited about the acquisitions that we made, not only with you know the guys that we got from Houston, but also in the other acquisitions, whether that was with Milwaukee or with Arizona or with the Angels. And so uh, we're just trying to restock and reload a farm system. And, and so um, you have to kind of go through a little bit of pain to get where, where we want to go. You know, I feel that the organization is making strides towards a better future. You know, it's funny. He talks about going through pain and all these other things. Ask any Met fan right now. Pain has been around for a while. Not just this year, not just next year. It's been pretty painful. Met fans have been in pain, at least if you just want to talk about recently, probably since late September of last year. When they had the Braves catch them from behind to take the division from them, from going down to Atlanta, needing just one win in that series late in the season, and they got swept. Then they go to the playoffs, host the Padres for the best out of three, and lose that series as well. By the way, batting practice again tonight at Yankee Stadium, and Carlos Rodon is the one serving it up. As the Rays have hit two home runs this inning, off of Rodon, it's now a 4-0 lead for the Tampa Bay Rays. Randy Rosarena hitting a two-run shot. Yandy Diaz homering earlier in the inning. So 4-0, and we're only in the top of the third right now. I'll tell you, you know, you could sit there and talk about being injured and all these other things. Rodon's been a huge disappointment, and he ain't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's still here for four more years after this for a lot of money. And I know he got a slow start because of the injuries and whatnot, but this isn't exactly somebody who has been durable throughout his career. And you just wonder, is this how it's going to be? Is it ever going to get any better than this? What a miss! What a misstep that has been. Tommy in Connecticut up next here on 98.7. Hello, Tom. How are you? Oh, Dan, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just all smiles and rainbows, buddy. You have to be at this point. Don't you? Oh yeah, F, you know, four nothing, top three. Yeah, no, no, no activity at well, the trade well, Tom, deadline. Tom, just, think just about wonderful. it. The Yankees, you, you may not appreciate it this way, but the Yankees are doing you a favor. They they dig themselves a four nothing hole. You know that they don't have an offense that's going to be able to score four runs. They're basically giving you the rest of the night off. They're saying, you know what, you don't have to watch us anymore. Go do something else. You know, at least at least they started the game with a starter, as opposed to last night, where uh, you know you just bring up somebody from AAA, let them give up four home runs, and then bring in a starter whose pitches lights out. Maybe that'll happen tonight. You never know. Maybe they got some. Maybe they got a secret weapon in there or something like that. Oh my God, Dan! It, it's just uh, it's so frustrating. Both both these teams, you know, they, what uh, I don't know. It's bad. I mean, Tom, look, it's, it, it's, it's bad, bad right it's now. It's all bad. 
It's bad, but I don't know, right? And, and I thank you for the phone call. I don't know if we could be sitting here and actually categorizing the sorry state of affairs that is New York baseball because technically one of them has a winning record. And one of them is only a few games out of a playoff spot. But as I keep going back to the eye test, if you take the eye test and watch the New York Yankees, do you really and truly think that this club has any makings whatsoever of one that should be in the postseason? Any. And another brilliant performance tonight from Carlos Rodon. When we come back, I got a question about the Mets. They're tearing it down. How far should the teardown go? And there's one player in particular. Should he be up for grabs come the wintertime? We'll talk about it. Grasa till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>